Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If you're there, can you shout amen? We're going to put it up on the screens. We're going to begin to read out of verse 10. And uh, this is what the author writes. He says, whoever loves money never has enough. Somebody say enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. The more money you get, the more people are going to come around you try to consume your money. (laughs) Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. He says, I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. As everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. Come on, that's wisdom right there. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Solomon is saying you're, you're chasing money your whole life. And what's the point of it? The same way you came to this earth is the same way you're going to leave this earth. And we can read a couple verses there and be like, wow, Solomon, thank you for depressing my Sunday morning. But look at verse 18. This is what he says. This is what I've observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot, and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Today, out of those few verses as we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes in this series, What is Life? Today, I want to talk to you out of this subject. I want you to write it down. I want to talk to you out of the subject, the present of the present. The present of the present. I'm excited to be back today. We're going to be talking about money as Solomon addresses money. Some of you are already grabbing your wallet like Jesus have my heart, but not my wallet, right? But, but we're excited to be in the house. And I believe that today God wants to lift some burden off our back. I believe God wants to open up our eyes and I'm just glad that you're in the house. I'm going to preach short for about 20, 25 minutes of the Holy Ghost falls. We'll go an hour and a half and we'll have a vigilia. Anybody down for a vigilia today? Three people. 9 a.m. is like, what is a vigilia? I never heard of it. That's why I come to the morning service. Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask God to bless this time. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you that you are a good God. God, thank you that you, you woke us up this morning, God. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for everything that you've given us in our hands. Jesus, you are good and worthy to be praised. 
Jesus, we thank you this morning. Thank you for the 9 a.m., 11 a.m., the 1 p.m. Thank you for the 7 p.m. tonight in Winwood in our city campus. Thank you for what you're doing in this community, every house, every home, every person represented. God, I pray that today you will heal, save, deliver, open up our eyes. God, that we will leave out of here knowing that the best is yet to come, that in you there's always a hope and there's always a future. Have your way, and we pray that LeBron James will lose this series to come back to Miami and will be world champions next year. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say, oh, come on, all of God's people say, amen, amen, amen. Hey, um, as I was saying, I've been, I've been traveling a lot for the past two weeks. I'm glad to be home. A anybody here enjoy airports, airplanes, and flying? Come on, anybody in here? Anybody like me? I love airplanes. I love flying. I love, I love tra travel, right? I think who doesn't like to travel? But how many know that sometimes airports can get a little bit complicated? Right, airports sometimes can be a little bit difficult uh, when they start calling the groups of people to board a plane. How many know it is chaos at the airport? You can be in group C, group D, if you're blessed, group A. Sorry, we're not like you. But everybody just rushes the door, right? It's like their plane is not going anywhere. Like the plane is going to wait for everybody to get on. But I just have sensed in the last two weeks, people are desperate to get on a plane. Right, I, I was on the way to Africa, and they started calling all these groups, and people started rushing, cutting each other in line. And I just sat in my chair, and I'm, I'm going to wait till everybody goes in, and I'm going to be the last person. Like, the plane is not going anywhere. And I just, I just feel like some people just are like, I need to get on this plane right now. I need to be the first one in, take off my shoes, put my, 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 my carry-on on top of me, and nobody's addressing me. They put on their headphones, and they fall asleep while everybody's coming on. And I'm like, sir, it, I mean, I'm glad you got in here five minutes before me. That's amazing. God bless you. Uh, what is life all about? I mean, I just don't get it. Then you're flying, and flying is okay. Have you ever, have you ever flown next to somebody that, that is just sneezing and coughing the whole time? because I was that person two weeks ago. <laughs> I left Africa on a Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and I got on the plane, and I started to come down with a really, really bad cold. People were uh, texting me and talking to me. They're like, hey, are you okay? Is your stomach okay? Like, Because people, I guess, figured I was in Africa, and what did I eat? I'm like, no, it wasn't a stomach virus, okay? It's just a weird question to ask. Yeah, this is just even weird to talk about. But no, it was just a cold. I had like a head cold, and I was sneezing and coughing all over the place, and I felt really bad for the person next to me, and I can tell they were really uncomfortable because they just leaned way to the other side. <laughs> And we had an eight and a half hour flight uh, from Africa to Amsterdam. I was in Amsterdam for three hours and then from Amsterdam and another eight and a half hour flight from Amsterdam to New York. I was in New York for three hours and then from New York to Miami, a three hour flight. And it was amazing. God bless. And uh, <laughs> the whole time, I'm just feeling extremely sick. Now, now when I get sick, I'm just going to be really honest. I'm going to put it out there. When I get sick, even if it's a little cold, I feel like I'm dying. Anybody with me? Like, I, I'm sorry, I just don't like getting a cold. I, I, get, I get all of a sudden cold shivers all over my body. I get body aches. Anybody with me? My legs start to hurt. And so I just imagine myself, I don't know how I looked, but I just imagine myself on that flight, eight hours and eight hours across the Atlantic, that I probably looked like I was dying, complaining, making noises. They probably almost called an ambulance on me. Like, that's the way I am. I put a hoodie over, and I was leaning against the window, and I was just like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was sneezing and coughing all over the place. It was absolutely terrible, and I felt so bad for my neighbor, but I didn't even want to talk to tell her about Jesus or tell her why I was sick. I just was like, I, I feel sorry for you. Change your seat. Do whatever you can, but I'm dying here. Please pray for me. 
And then when I thought about my travel, I said, oh, my God, I still got to go to Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, I got to walk around for a few hours, still have to fly all the way to New York, be in New York for a few hours, then still travel home. I mean, this was a bad place. Layovers can be great, but how many know layovers can sometimes be a pain as well? I'm walking around Amsterdam. That one person spoke English in that airport. I'm dying. I have a cold. I can't breathe. I need a Flonase. I'm asking somebody. They, they sell Flonase. And they're just looking at me like if I'm an alien. And I'm like, God, help me. I just want to stay right here. Diana, come pick me up in Amsterdam. I'm done. I'm not traveling. I'm not getting on another plane. I just wanted to get to my destination. And I was frustrated with the layovers. You know, when it comes to money, I think a lot of us, we want to arrive at a destination and we get really frustrated with what life has given us, and we consider them layovers. Like, I just want to arrive at a dollar amount. I just want to arrive at a salary. I just want to arrive at a status in life. If I get a little bit more money, and if they can increase my pay, and God, if my savings account can just get a little bit better, then I'll be okay in life. But today, I'm not happy because this is just a layover, and I'm frustrated in this travel. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy with this dollar amount. I'm not happy that I can't afford the car I want. I'm not happy that I can't have what I truly want in my heart. I'm not happy that life has given me only this amount. God, I'm trying, I'm working, but I want more. Right? We want more. And this is the human heart. At the end of the day, this is the tendency of all of us is that we want more in our heart. And so we're always looking to the future. God, I want more. We, we want just a little bit more. If I can get a little bit more money, if I can get a little bit more things, then I'll be okay. Only to arrive at the destination and realize, wait, there's another layover because I can actually make a little bit more. I can actually have a little bit more things. And here's the problem that it creates. Here's the problem that it creates. Is that we are constantly chasing the winds of tomorrow that we fail to realize and enjoy the gifts of today. We're always chasing the winds of tomorrow that we fail to enjoy the gifts of today. Right? Like what God has given us today. We're constantly looking. Wait, if I just had a little bit more, if I can just get a little bit more increase, if I can just get a little bit more money, if I can just get a better car, if I can just get more, and we fail to realize what, what God has given us right now. We fail to realize what God has given us in our hands today. We're just like, we're really, man, if I can just get a little bit of an increase in my paycheck, right? Like, if my paycheck is a little bit bigger, if I can get a little bit of a better salary, then I'll be happy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, I just want that raise. I want that promotion. They call you into the office. You get the promotion. You get the raise. And you're like, ha! God is so good. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Krispy Kreme's for everybody in the office. I got a raise. And then you get to your desk. And a day later, you find out what somebody else makes. Wait, way more than you. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I want another increase. It's never enough. It's never enough. Wait, but you just got a raise. Yeah, but they're making more. Imagine if I made that much now. Right? If I just made a, and then you get the increase and you realize that that doesn't really bring true happiness. Right? Well, well actually, if I had a bigger savings account, like right now, I'm doing okay. I, I got a little bit in my savings account, but if I had a bigger savings account, then I'll be happy. Like, I want this number. I think everybody has a number they want to see in their savings account. If I had this number in my savings account, right, thinking that that number is going to bring some kind of peace, and then you get to that number, and you're like, wait a minute, an accident could happen, an emergency. Actually, can I get a little bit more in my savings account, thinking that's going to be peace, but it never really produces peace. Well, actually, if I had a bigger, if I had a bigger house, then I'll, I'll be okay, God. I'll leave God alone if he gives me a bigger house. 
Like, I just want a nice house. Like, right now, we got a small apartment, and, and, and we're a little bit tight. God, if you just give me a bigger house, I'm just working really hard. I'm working 40 hours, 50 hours. I'm asking for overtime. If I can do double overtime, if I can work all I have, but all of a sudden, you're going to get to that bigger house with no family because you sacrificed them along the way. And then your mortgage payment, you're going to realize the bigger house, the bigger stress. Right, man, if I just had, if I had the nice car, like, my car's okay, I got a 1985 little Honda Accord, but my God, it, 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 I see myself, if I, if I get that new Honda Accord, that 2019, not even 18, I'm already in the future, if I get a 2000 Honda Accord, I look so good, like, it just looks good on me, I already see, I saw the commercial, that was me in the commercial, and then you realize you get in the car, and more expensive car actually means more expensive parts, <laughs> more expensive oil changes, more expensive everything. And then you realize that the car really doesn't bring true happiness. More does it. Wait, 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 wait. If, if actually, if I win the bigger lottery, hello, <laughs> come on, come on. Do you know where the lottery's at? This week is Powerball week, right? And we, everybody gets excited. Everybody in the office wants to put together lottery tickets because if I win the lottery, then, oh my God, I've got it made. Oh, my God, if I win the Powerball, I'm going to make it rain in church. <laughs> Come on. What do you guys need? A new building? You guys need more campuses? On me. I won the Powerball, right? <laughs> and people spend hours in line trying to get one ticket, trying to find that one satisfaction and happiness and just a little bit more money. It's funny because most of the lottery winners actually end up, three out of five end up in bankruptcy in the next three to five years. Most of them are dealing with drugs and suicide over the next 10 years of their life. Because we think that more money actually equals more happiness, but it really doesn't. Actually, what it, what it actually ends up is adding bigger stress in our life. Right? We think that more money will actually create more satisfaction, more happiness. If I get a little bit more increase in my life, if I can gain more, if I can get all the money I can while I'm alive, I'm going to be happy. And we realize that it actually doesn't equal happiness. It actually doesn't equal peace. It actually equals more problems and more stress. Like the poet from Brooklyn said, Biggie Smalls, more money, more problems. All right? We get to a place in our life where all of a sudden we're like, wait, this did not equal happiness. This equaled a whole bunch of stress in my life. I want to tell you today, if there's one thing I want you to remember, is that if you can trust God with your future, you can enjoy the gift of the present. If you can trust God, if you can trust God with your future, you can enjoy the gift of the present. Today, you can say, you know what? I'm going to trust the future to a God who knows the future. I'm not going to waste my life in trying to accumulate and gain everything. I'm going to enjoy what God has given me right now. The book of Ecclesiastes, this is Solomon who's talking about this. We've been through this book for the past four weeks. And again, just making summaries out of the chapters. It's about 12 chapters. And I pray that you go home and you read through it. There's a lot of gold in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's written by, by King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was a man who had all kinds of things. Like, this man was rich. Like, I'm just about, like, really, really rich. He was extremely rich. They say that his throne had 12 steps leading up to his throne, and in each step was a statue of a lion. He had 12 lions around his throne. They said that his gardens were the most beautiful gardens in all of the known world at that time. 
They say that his palace was absolutely stunning, right? Everything in the palace was made out of gold. I mean, he had gold cups. You wanted to drink a cafe cubano, you would drink it out of a gold cup. I mean, this man just had luxury on top. This man had a roller coaster like Richie Rich in his mansion. This man had Chipotle in the palace. He had the Ferragamos and he had the Yeezys. Like he had, every, he had heat courtside seats. Like he had everything in the world. Solomon had it all. And the book of Ecclesiastes is him saying, hey, I set my whole life to find all the pleasure, all the entertainment, all the girls, all the money to see if something would satisfy my soul. And I realized that the more I gain, the emptier I feel. I've gained it all. And, and this is just a wisdom book for him to tell us, guys, I've had everything. I've had guac and I haven't had to pay extra. I've had everything in the world. And let me tell you, nothing satisfies the soul. I've had it all, and yet I still feel empty. And so basically it's him saying, what, what is life? Like, what, what is life, right? Like, I'm just confused. Like, this is weird, Solomon's saying. And what he says often in the book is that life is meaningless. Life is mean. Or he uses the word vanity. He says life is vanity. Vanity. Everything's vanity. And that's an okay translation, but a better translation would be the Hebrew word havel. Havel just literally means it's a vapor or a smoke or li literally a mere breath. When we wake up in Miami, maybe one day out of the year that's a little bit cold. And uh, how many know when, when sometimes a little bit of vapor comes out of your mouth if you're breathing? Especially if you have really hot breath, there's a lot more vapor. But um, you wake up in the morning, right? Let's say it's a cold morning and you, you just exhale. How many of you have seen that smoke come out of your mouth when it's cold? Anybody here? Okay. Okay. It disappears within seconds, right? Literally, that's what Solomon is saying. He goes, life is but that mere breath that disappears. He says, everything is Hevel. He says, life? Oh, come on, we're, we're just a speck in the universe. What's the most you can live? 100 years? 120 years? I think last week, the, the oldest lady in, in the world right now died. She was 118. Let's say you make it to 118. That's just a vapor, right? And he's saying, everything is pleasure. You want, you want to be pleased your highlight? You, you want your senses to be pleased to the max? Okay, it's, it's like smoke is a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You'll be pleased for a second, for a minute, for, for whatever it is, but then you try to grab onto pleasure and it's fleeting. It's like that vapor, you try to hold on to it and you, you can't grasp it because it's nothing but smoke. He's saying money? Oh, come on, money is nothing but a vapor. Grab money all you want. You're going to die the same way that you came in. Whoa, Solomon, thank you for just blessing my life. <laughs> you really encouraged me this morning. Thank you, Solomon. Right, and so Solomon's saying, whoever loves money never has enough in chapter 5. Solomon says, trust me, I love money. I've wanted everything. It's never enough. He says, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Whoa, isn't that true? Right, like people who are obsessed and love money, you, you'll try to get everything in the world, but yet nothing will satisfy. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men, they say the richest man in modern history. They say at the peak of his career, at the peak of his life, he had $300 billion net worth. Right? Almost 10 times what Bill Gates has today. I mean, Rockefeller had it all. And they asked Rockefeller, what was your favorite million to make in your life? And he said, it's going to be my next one. Because nothing is ever enough. I want more. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves his wealth is never satisfied. And this is Solomon telling us this years ago. 
So I've had it all. Finally, he gets to a point, right, where we're reading, not to keep it depressed, what we're reading, right? He gets to a point where he says, but finally, I have found something that is good in chapter 5, he says. I've actually found something that is good. And he says, that is to eat, to drink, and to enjoy what God has given you today. God has blessed you today. God has given you gifts today. God has given you something today. This is a good gift from God. You may not have everything you want, but you have everything you need. Enjoy the blessings that God has put in your hand. Enjoy every single blessing that comes from heaven. Enjoy every single breath that is in your nostrils right now. Come on, enjoy the oxygen that is in your lungs. Come on, we're alive. We're blessed. We're looking. We're breathing. God, he's a good God, and he's worthy to be praised. Solomon says, this is a good thing. He says, the future, nobody knows about it. We don't know what the future is going to bring. Hello, life is a vapor. We don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Can we be honest? We don't know if we're going to be here tonight. That's why in the New Testament, the apostles said, hey, whenever you're going to say, let's do this and let's do that, always say, God willing. Right? Because you don't know what tonight brings. So Solomon is saying, well, you, you don't know about tonight and you don't know about tomorrow, so why don't you just enjoy what God gives you right now? We're frustrated because we don't like the layover. We're trying to get to a destination. He's just saying, enjoy the travel. Enjoy the journey. Life is good. God is good. Enjoy what you have right now in the palm of your hands. Well, if I just want more, I'm trying to get the new car. Enjoy the wife that actually enjoys the old car. And you can actually have a relationship and have fun and say, baby, I don't got money for Ruth Chris, but we can go to McDonald's and share an apple pie and we can have a good time. Come on, enjoy the wife of your youth. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your family. You may not have the business you want, but guess what? You got a family and kids that want to play softball, that want to play football. I'm going to enjoy the gifts of God right now. So Solomon says, hey, listen, you can't change the past, you can't control the future, but you can cherish the present. Yeah. Oh, I can't, I can't go back and change how the cards that I was dealt and what God allowed in my life. God, but why did I grow up poor? And why did I have to lose everything? And why did my business close down? And why did that person leave me? And why did I end up in a divorce? And why did I have to go through a bankruptcy? You can't change the past. God allowed everything for a reason. You can't control the future. No matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try for that promotion, no matter how hard you try, you don't know what life brings tomorrow. But you can cherish the present. Right? Control is an illusion. You can, yeah, isn't it crazy? This is what, what Solomon is saying. He's saying life is of hell. It's absurd. It's an enigma. Right? The vegetarian that eats nothing but hummus and chips and celery and carrots, right, somehow dies of a heart attack at age 40, but the person that smokes and drinks and never takes care of their health lives to age 100. What? That's absurd. How does that happen? And Solomon's saying that I don't get it. The person that has nothing in Africa, in Uganda, Africa, is full of gratitude, but yet people in America that have it all are full of bitterness and don't, don't appreciate the life that they have in front of them. Solomon, Solomon is saying, I don't get this. I don't understand this. This makes no sense. Just enjoy what you have today. You have a little bit. You have a lot. Enjoy today. I wonder how many of us have skipped over our family thinking only of the future. And your kids are waiting for you just to turn around and say you love them. Saying, Dad, was the last time I, we just like threw a football around? And I know you're trying to build a business. I know you're trying to do this, Dad, but... You don't want 20 years to go by, then your kids are full-grown adults and never really appreciate a family life. 
I didn't realize the clock went this long. I've been away so long, I forgot that we have a clock. Uh, three things. I want to share with you three quick things. Number one, there is a greater provider than money. There is a greater provider than money. Right? I think a lot of us, we have this ment mentality that, that I can only have what my money allows me to have. Money's my provider. Like, like I can't do certain things because money doesn't allow me to do it. Right? Money, money is the one that provides for me. Like, I can't have a good family because, my God, I can't even take them on a nice vacation. I can't have a good marriage because I don't have enough money. Like, money is the one that provides for me. I can't help out with this organization because I don't have the money or the funds to help out my community. I can't start a nonprofit because I don't have money. Here's the problem. When money is your provider, then you're always going to be limited in what you can do. Right? Because, because money is limited. And so I'm just going off. If your hope is in your money, then your potential is always going to be limited. So money is my provider. I can only do what my bank account allows me to do. And so you're operating not by faith, you're operating by economics of this world. I, my money's my provider. But when God is your provider, everything is switched around now. I may not have the money to start a nonprofit, but wait a minute, God is a provider, and somehow, some way, I'm going to believe by faith that God can do it, that God wants to do it, and I'm going to trust in Him. I'll do what I can do, and then I'll trust God with what He can do. I believe that I can make an impact in this community, and I'm not looking at my bank account to see what my impact is going to be. I'm looking at my God, because I know that my God can open up doors that money can't open up. I know that my God can bring networking in places that I never know, because my provider it's not my bank account. My provider is my God. So are we walking by money or are we walking by faith? Right? We had a dream to, that one day Embrace was going to help anti-human trafficking victims, right? And we, want, we have this nonprofit here at this church and, and it's all to help out human trafficking victims and, and we want to provide an amazing life for them. A lot of them have been uh, rescued from, I mean, 5, 10, 15 years of just a horrible life. Imagine if we moved by our bank account. Imagine if we said, well, we want to have a house one day for human trafficking victims and survivors, but, but, but I mean, right now we can't afford a house. We don't have enough money, so we'll, we'll just wait till the bank account gets bigger. I really want to help out survivors, and I really, once they get rescued, I would love to put them on a house, but right now we can't because, you know, our bank account doesn't show and reflect that we can actually afford a house. A lot of them are going, sent, being sent off to shelters, and in shelters, it's not the best condition, and they're surrounded by very horrible things, but my bank account is telling me what I can do, so we can't do it. But when we walk by faith, it's saying, wait a minute, God, somehow, some way, we may not have the funds for a house, but somehow, some way, you can open up a supernatural door that money can't open. And all of a sudden, you get a phone call that says, hey, we have a house for Embrace, and we want to hook the church up so that, so that survivors can have a place to live. Can I tell you, my provider is not my bank account. My provider is my God. There's a greater provider than money. Who's providing for your life? What are you walking by? Don't be limited. Well, I can't tithe right now. I can't start giving because my bank account is very limited. Right? And so a lot of us, we don't tithe because we think, oh, if I tithe, that's it. I'm broke. Well, wait, my provider is God. First, I'm going to honor and bless God. Some of us, we need to start tithing today. You've been coming to church for a year, two years, three years. Maybe today you don't have the 10% of whatever income you have, but maybe today you can start with $20. I'm going to start tithing $20 every week, God, because my provider is God. Number two. There's a greater savior than money. A lot of times we think that money is going to come to our rescue. Right? Like, oh man, I'm, I'm in a bond. My marriage is in trouble right now. 
If I had the money, I'll give my wife the house she wants, the car she wants. If I had money, I can help my husband start the business that he wants. God, send me more money because money's going to be my savior. I have this health issue. If I had all the money, then the surgeon can help me, then the doctors can help me. I can get the best medication. I got this thing in my life, and if I got more money, it will save me. Can I tell you, money's not the Savior, but there is a greater Savior. His name is Jesus. Come on, he can override any job. He can override any doctor. He, can, he is the one that comes to save. The book of Isaiah says this, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. What are you banking your life on? Are you throwing your life on a money amount and saying, what if I had this money? I'll have everything that I need. I'm waiting for this money to come and save me. I'm waiting for my job to get better and then it will save me. You know what can save a marriage is not more money, it's Jesus in the marriage. God, we tried it all. God, we, we, we're on, the, we're on the, the brink of divorce. And I've realized that we've had money issues and the money issues have brought a whole lot of stress. If I had more money, it will save my marriage. Actually, if we put God at the center of the marriage, then we can start little by little. He's the God that restores. He's the God that repairs. He's the God that can do it. If I had more money, then my mom wouldn't be sick. If I had more money, then my child wouldn't be sick. And he wouldn't be living through this condition. If I just had more money, and God is saying, if you trust me to be your healer, if you trust me to be your savior, I'm the God that can do it. Trust me every step of the way. It's not money that's going to save you. It's your God that's going to save you. There's a greater savior than money. There's a greater provider than money. And third and finally, there's a greater God than money. I wonder how many of us are serving our whole lives to this God of money. Look, look, look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, no one can serve how many masters? No one can serve two masters, he says. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Oh, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Just in case we didn't have it clear, Jesus wants to make it really clear. And he wants to talk about the other God. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Is Jesus saying it. Actually, the word right there in the Greek for money is mammon. And it's a God that they would use for prosperity, for money. It's the God of mammon. I wonder how many of us are serving money like if it's our God. I'm a slave to my job and I'll work 40, 50, 60 hours and sacrifice family life, marriage time, everything because I need more money. Are you serving God or are you serving money? I'll do everything I can for money. I'll, I'll cut every corner. I'll, I'll even do some illegal things, lie on my taxes. Hello. I'll do everything I can because I just want more money. I, I, I just need more money. Here's the bottom line. You can either worship money or you can worship with your money. It's total opposites. We think a lot of times, wait, wait, I'm trying to just do things with my money. I'm trying to advance my money. At the end of the day, what we're doing is that we're worshiping our money. You can either worship your money or you can worship with your money. Saying, God, you know what, you, what you've given me in my hand right now is actually a blessing. And with this money, it might be limited, but I serve an unlimited God. And I know that he can stretch this the same way that he did with the fish and the loaves of bread. He'll multiply it and somehow, some way, I can worship you with what you've given me. How many of us are frustrated at the layovers, frustrated trying to get to a destination, not realizing what God has given us in front of us? The present is a present from God. 
You're looking for tomorrow. You're looking for a final destination and saying, if I get there, if I finally get to that place, then I'll be happy. Just like, just like King Solomon, you know who said similar words? Jesus. Jesus stands up in the New Testament. He says, one greater than Solomon is here with more wisdom, more richness, more insight. And he actually says the same thing. Last verse, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and on. I want, you, I want you to see what Jesus says. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Listen to this. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, with all his money, with all his Gucci, Fendi, and Prada was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Come on, is anybody grateful that this is the God that we serve? Come on, that he's given us the gift of today. We can't change the past. We can't control the future. Come on, but we can cherish the present. Is anybody full of gratitude this morning just to say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you blessed me. I can serve you with what I have. I can start right now. I can lift up your name right now. I can start to tithe. I can start to serve. I can't make an impact because God, you're a good. And today, today's a gift from God. Come on, with every eye closed and every head bowed all across this place. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Maybe today you're here for the first time, second time. Maybe you've just been coming for a little bit. Maybe somebody invited you and you're like, I don't even know where I am. It's okay. I believe you're in the right place at the right time. I believe that God brought you in here for a purpose and for a reason. I want to tell you today that God loves you so much. You may not know how you got here. I know how you got here. It is God himself who brought you in here. He has an appointment with you because he loves you this much. This morning, he wanted to remind you how much he loves you. This morning, he wanted to remind you that he's for you, that he's with you, not against you. This morning, he wants you to realize that he has his eye on you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't abandoned you. Maybe you're saying, Alex, but you have no idea what I've done. I've messed up in life. I've, I've committed some sins. I've done some wrong things that nobody knows about. Here's the beautiful thing about God. God knows everything about your life, yet he loves you still. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. You and I, we failed God. We've done wrong. We've gone astray. Every single one of us, we, we've had wrong, bad thoughts, said bad things, done bad actions. The Bible says we've missed the mark. We've fallen short of God's standard. But God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came down to earth and he grabbed all of my sin and all of your sin. The Bible says that he put everything on his shoulders. The sins of the world on his shoulders. You and I could never pay for our sins, but Jesus says, I'll pay it all. Jesus went up on a cross and he died for those things that you and I have done. Bible says he died there on that cross. He went down to a grave for three days. He was in a grave for three days. And after three days, Jesus resurrected from the dead. He's alive today. He overcame sin and death.
for you and for me. Jesus, he's alive today and he's offering brand new life, a brand new beginning, a brand new start. Today he's saying, I just want to love you. I want to bless you. I've got you. You're my child. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. Come on, the whole church is praying. If you're in here today and you say, Alex, I need a new beginning. Alex, I need a brand new start. Alex, I need forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I just want you to raise it up just for a second and then you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed for privacy and concentration. If that's you today, you say, Alex, I need Jesus. At the count of three, raise your hand for just a second. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. I see you. God bless you. Amazing. Anybody else, raise it up as high as you can. Amazing. Amazing. Father, thank you for these hands that have been raised. Thank you for today. God, I pray that today you will have your way in all of our lives and seal this moment with your Holy Spirit. All of you that raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it out loud together with you. I want you to say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven, I am saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a big, big hand? Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand for every hand that was raised?